Uh oh, Duke's a hazard. No, no, Blues Brothers, man. Blues Brothers at the very end, you know. Or Thelma and Louise. Wow. Yeah, I just kept more Thelma and Louise than any. Welcome back, everyone, to the podcast, the official other almost perfect podcast, which we are so proud of. Uh, this is actually the other one or us. us. Oh, okay. Credit where credit is due. We copied first, apparently. Right. We didn't know we did, but so. And I guess does that mean we have to like share some of all the money we make off doing this? Will that make everybody else happy or? Does that work? All the oh, just give deals? them everything. Come on, man! This is <laughs> from everything. Retirement. This is my retirement. Don't give you know away what? the don't give away the farm. We'll add a zero to the check, huh? Okay. That's right. That's okay. What we'll do. I am John. I am here with our good friend Tom. Tom, how are you this morning, brother? I am very well. It's been uh, been a nice in Corpus. We actually got rain, and I know, mm. uh, parts of Texas got rain and and needed it. So we are happy here in Corpus today. We are, we are, and we hope Brad, Brad's smiling. I hope you're a little bit happy, Brad. How are you? I am good, man. We got two inches at our house here. It was awesome. Very uh, good. Two inches of rain, and and uh, yeah, that that's it's about time. You know, <laughs> it's about time. I haven't got, day. I haven't got to that point in my life where I have my own rain gauge yet. I where I can be the person who says we got an inch and a half. I rely on my neighbors and other people. You don't do that anymore. <laughs> not yet. I'm not how there yet. How can you yet. not know how much ring you got? <laughs> what else just, do you talk about at church? I just, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Jesus who, right? Uh, <laughs> all right. And gentlemen, we have a special guest today, an esteemed guest today. Uh, Todd, Todd Salmi is here. And I just have to tell you, Todd is my homeboy, my main man. Todd and I were ordained together, uh, mm-hmm. which wow. meant... We spent two years in REM together. Two great, other... mistakes that go, two great mistakes that go great together. <laughs> That's right. right, right. And uh, a lot of these clergy events and conference events, we're one of those two that find ourselves like in the back all by ourselves, kind of making fun <laughs> of everything that's happening. And so I figured, why not have Todd join us so he can make fun of everything that's happening inside of this podcast too. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we do, we do want to add, the the right reverend doctor right uh, reverend doctor yes todd welcome and would you real quickly just tell everybody what you just did with your life man yeah so i was uh mentioned to the guys uh in pre-production is that what we call before we start the podcast when we're just chatting around we can we call it pre-production make it sound more serious right that's great wonderful we have a (laughs) (laughs) if we're not careful this is all pre-production man right exactly (laughs) No, I was just uh, saying that I'm looking forward to this summer because I just completed my pandemic project, which was getting my doctorate at SMU, my doctorate in ministry. Um, A lot of people say, oh, congratulations on your PhD. And now my wife has a PhD in biomolecular sciences from the University of Texas. She's the doctor saw me in the family, Um, but I got my doctorate of ministry. Um, And so it's kind of nice to get that all all Mm -hmm. tied up and just be done with school like it's not even an option anymore. There you go. Well, good. Congratulations, yeah, good. Congratulations man. Congratulations. Thanks. So, you know, just just out of curiosity, so we don't call you doctor. You call me Todd. Um, well, I know. What y'all right. call me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and whatever, whatever, whatever. Dr. Todd. Else, you know. But it, it almost sounds like, well, you know, I sit in three box tops. Yeah, that was my my pandemic uh a project three box stop uh, from post and i got and my doctorate but uh, you actually did some work to to receive that so don't downplay what you did that's an earned doctorate dude it works so, yeah, what P- phd is more research oriented right and a demon five that's usually a five-year program um, and so you go into much more, you might do a, an IRB, a, a review board and do some, some research, or you decide to translate a bunch of stuff from other languages. Whereas the doctorate in, in ministry is a, is a practical theology. Um, mm-hmm. so you do two years of, of courses and then you do a year of basically, uh, uh, self-directed study on a particular topic with an advisor and a reader. Um, and then you write about 125 to 150 pages and, 
I'll tell y'all something I'm never going to do again is cite anything properly correctly again. I'm done with citation formats. Um, there might be, I mean, I'm not going to plagiarize. I'll tell people where I got stuff, but you know, the semicolon is going to be all over the place. From now. So. That's hilarious. That's, fun. that's exactly so, right. So well, welcome to our club. We, we, we not only don't uh, properly give citation, we don't even properly quote. So, right. Good. Yeah, we right. make things up. Somebody sure. said something or other some time ago. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you really want, that's what Google's for. You can figure that out on your own, okay? Exactly. I mean, that's, you know, there's the classic, like, it's attributed to someone, right? And that's the way. Somebody you know, once said, that. that's my line. I uh, think yeah. it was something like, yeah. <laughs> Jesus would have said, um, so Ty, what is your practical area of ministry? Well, um, I work in college ministry at Texas State, uh, and so I went ahead and spent some time thinking about young adults uh, in the church, mm-hmm. really thinking about both post-Christendom, um, what it means when the church uh, is no longer kind of a central part of our culture, mm-hmm. uh, as well as thinking about the theological ideas of apostleship. So we talk a lot about discipleship uh, in the church uh, and uh, formating, uh, forming uh, I, the apostle, uh, forming disciples, mm-hmm. but, uh, I wanted to spend some time thinking about apostles and thinking about what it means to actually send people out into the world and in their faith. Um, okay. yeah. All right. So we're going to ask you a little bit more about that in just a little bit before that, I got a couple stories. I want you guys to hear and you tell me what we take from this. You tell me if there's anything, or, you know, I read one, you say, you know what, John next. Okay. Is anybody here? Grandparents? No. Anybody like waiting for that day they can be grandparents? Only after the kids get married. <laughs> but don't you ask the question, have anybody given up that uh, that hope or dream? And going, oh, has yeah. Any, has <laughs> it, okay. Has anybody given up that hope or dream? It, yeah. Is anybody old enough to be a grandparent? Yeah. My, my younger sister is a great grandparent. So I guess I'm old enough. So how about this? This is out of New Delhi. A retired Indian couple is suing their son and daughter-in-law, demanding that they produce a grandchild within a year or pay them the equivalent of $675,000. If you don't give me my grandkid, I'm going to sue you. You got a year to get on it. So is there any explanation for the specific amount? I mean, that's a curious amount, no matter... It's curious when you hear some of the explanation. Uh, Sanjeev Rajan Prasad, a 61-year-old retired government officer, said it was an emotional and sensitive issue for him and his wife, Sanhada, and they cannot wait any longer. His son, a pilot, was married six years ago. We want a grandson or a granddaughter within a year or compensation because I have spent my life's earnings on my son's education. And so the grandchild is a sort of return on investment for paying into the son's education. Um, He said he spent $47,300 for his son's pilot training, but he's he's willing to sue for $675,000. What? <laughs> that's, that's, some past, that's some pastor math right there. You know? that's, that's right. 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 <laughs> that's right. Man. Uh, there were uh, less than, I know it was less than a million people at church yesterday. I'm, I know that for sure. Yeah. yeah. But probably more like three million. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, 40, does that even cross your mind? What did you say? 43 million or 43,000? How much did he spend? They spent forty-seven thousand three hundred, but they're going to sue for six hundred and seventy-five thousand. Todd, is that how much you you needed for your doctoral program? You just well, finished. Well, I was just I was just thinking. I mean, I guess I spent a lot of money going to seminary, so maybe I should start suing parishioners that don't show up. You know, giving them hey, a fine for, for every time. This is um, the way we get everyone. I see. Todd's got me thinking now. Maybe I actually can't afford it now. Let me see. Uh, right. And then you go to those old appointments you've been to. You can get back pay from those folks. Right. Maybe. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness. And you're like, I hope not to see you here next Sunday because you're looking to take a vacation. <laughs> you know. 
I'm fine with you not being <laughs> here. Right. Matter of fact, we got some Sundays open. We need you not to be here. Um, you know, um, I've got right. vacation time coming up. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I don't know. I mean, and if the want... if the kid defaults and and doesn't have a child, a grandchild for the parents, and they sue. What court is this going to hold up in? You know, I'm thinking, and and if they can't pay, what does that mean? <laughs> Are they going to dock his pay from here until you know Jesus comes again? Or, well, you've heard of child support. How about no child support? This is no child support. Yeah. Hey man, <sighs> somebody had to be sitting in a room thinking, you know what? Father of the Year happen. Award here, and I'm telling you, <laughs> Father's Father's Day, Day right around the corner, Father's Day. Use that in your Father's Day sermon, I'm Brad. <laughs> There's a father in the world that's about to sue his son for not making him a grandfather. Yeah, yeah. Send or me grandparents that. Day. I want that for Father's Day or Grandparents Day. Oh, wow. Ooh, wow. Obviously, I Brad just gave us a revelation. He's never looked at our website. If not, you would know. We put all of our links so you to put all those links in the there? show notes. Thanks, Brad. I, just, I look at Facebook, dude. I, you know, that interweb thing is too complicated. All right. Very good. We, so, first of all, we have a website. I, just, <laughs> I know we have a podcast, but I, okay. and I, you know, believe it or not. Yeah, but I the guys on, the, on that website don't look anything like us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that other website, man. Oh, guys, guys, guys. Okay. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. Let's talk about uh, some young people. That, that first story: some younger people not doing something to um, to uh, do well for their parents. But let's talk about some young people who are trying to change the world. Okay. All right. A team of Johns Hopkins. That's what Baltimore, Baltimore right? Baltimore. Uh, university students students are aiming to change the way people eat their burritos with a new invention edible tape edible tape edible tape this is your this is your tuition money at work the winning school of engineering students who unveiled their tasty tape tasty to ease tape Project for the school's engineering design day said they were inspired to create their edible tape by their own experiences with notoriously messy foods such as burritos, tacos, and wraps. So it's a tape you can consume. And you know, that messy burrito just falls apart. Never again, Todd, get the tasty tape on it and you can enjoy it. Nothing falls out and you don't even know you just ate tape, man. Man, they can't even wrap the burrito right. Now you want to expect them to put tape on it? <laughs> you got to carry your own tape? <laughs> I will say, this sounds very Maryland. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. I, and I will say, it sounds intriguing to me. I'm going, that sounds like an idea that actually, uh, pun intended, will fly, unlike a grandchild of a certain pilot. I mean, a, a child of a certain pilot. See, you know what it sounds like to me? This sounds like an idea that somebody from South, South Texas University says, you know what? I got this idea, and we're going to sell it to people in Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> That's like taking cockleburs up north and calling them a porcupine egg. I have no idea what that means, Brett. Yes. <laughs> you don't know what a sandbur is, little cockleburs? They're the porcupine eggs. That's what they are. Anyway, just, go ahead. You lost me, man. That's like I've been to some of the, some of the churches I've served. They've been like small town. And mm -hmm. some of the things some of these older folks come up with, how the cow ate the cabbage. What? <laughs> what does this even mean, man? Uh, it means worst methane gas than you've ever smelled before. Anyway, go ahead. Speaking of gas, these uh, messy burritos. Well, I, well, I'll say, I just want to say something about that tape there. I mean, it's, it, you know, what we always do when we get those is we get, you know, a taco and then we get two or three extra tortillas. And what you do is you just kind of let them fall on there because it's just like the miraculous fish and loaves. The tacos just keep keep making keep, more tacos keep coming out. Yeah. I'm making mm -hmm. more tacos. So you multiplying know, I mean, the tacos, man. Right. So you're defeating the, the joy of, of eating a burrito and uh, a wrap taped burrito. Yeah, no, keep, <laughs> keep your tape. I say you guys, Tom, you may be intrigued. You may, 
want to invest in this, but I say keep your tape. Keep your. I guess yeah, they could make it with like some hot sauce or something like that. So you got a full, you know, spicy something, something, something on there. I mean, what is it? What does it taste like? Because they're calling it tasty tape. You know, it's got to have some sort of flavor. Well, I mean, they're putting two E's on taste, so it must be mm. flavorful. Um, <laughs> but, if you've ever seen, <laughs> but if you've ever seen, excuse me, you ever seen my tacos, I mean, I need more than a piece of tape for my mm. uh, salsa or whatever I'm going to put on it. So. I'm just saying that Johns Hopkins University is one of the most prestigious research universities in the world. <laughs> And this is what they're coming up with? Really? This is the, in, this is the engineering department, Brad. I mean, really, though? Come on. <laughs> so what does that tell you about the state of our world? We uh, need people who are tape. better at eating, eating burritos and tacos. If you can't wear it, it ain't worth eating. Anyway. <laughs> That's right. My shirt is a magnet, man. I'm telling you, right? All up and down your arms, you know, in your eyebrows. <laughs> it's everywhere. You got to wear it. Yeah. You guys are wearing light it, colors. How do you get through the day? That's how do you, the you patterns do with all these darks like, on it, right? It just Paisley. Hides, that's hides. right, man. Right. Exactly. Bunch of show-offs. That's what they are. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right. All right, guys. So let's let's talk a little bit more. Uh, we want to ask uh, Todd. Todd, how long have you been in uh, campus ministry? So I'm completing my fifth year. Wow. So I've been doing this for five years, which is both incredibly short. Uh, but you know, considering that most students take five to six years, no, they take about four years or so. Um, you know, you, you see maybe two or three cycles of, of students in that time or not see, especially since two years of it has been during the, during the pandemic. So it's mm. been a, it's, it's been a wild ride. And were you sort of led to that ministry, something you kind of always envisioned yourself doing? Or did somebody say, God, we need somebody to fill in, Todd? Yeah, absolutely not. I had no plans. To, I didn't go to college ministry when I mean, I went to UT in Austin and just a bunch of, you know, heathens up there and stuff like that. So uh, um, church was was not on my mind. I mean, I always considered myself a Christian, but I didn't think about, you know, can't wait to to, to be in college and do college ministry. I, I kind of ended up here by, by accident, uh, um, serving as a pastor at the first Methodist church of San Marcos and just seeing a need here of, you know, we got 38,000 students here at Texas state. It's uh, most people think about Texas state as a small sleepy teachers college. Um, but it's, you know, it, it fluctuates between the fourth and the fifth largest university in the state of Texas. It's enrollment is larger than Texas tech. Um, mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, we should have some sort of meaningful interaction uh, with 38,000 people. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're seeing like one or two people, you know, something, something's off, something's wrong uh, with that. And so just started trying to reach out to them and ended up getting connected, ended up enjoying it. Um, and then, you know, the bishop's like, go do that for a little while. So that's what I've been doing. Cool. Uh, and, and guys, <clears throat> Todd, Brad, jump in with any questions you have. But uh, as you think of that, uh, so what is it that you have learned about uh, young adult ministry or young adult faith that you didn't have uh, any sense of when you kind of fell into it initially? <laughs> yeah, I think what I would say is, is that um, contrary to popular belief in the church, young adults want to be connected in their faith. Like they're interested in growing. Uh, spiritually. They're interested in trying to figure out what their purpose in life is. You know, a lot of them uh, are going to school because, you know, they wanted to get a degree. They're looking at their careers. They're thinking about, you know, they're in, they're navigating these new relationships, roommates, romantic relationships, friendships. They're trying to think about where they're going to move. You know, do they go back home? Do they go somewhere different? Do they travel the world? They've just got a lot of thoughts in their minds. Um, and, uh, and it can be a pretty lonely time uh, as a young adult. You're constantly moving. Uh, I think that I read somewhere once that, you know, between the ages of 18 to 25, people move five times. Um, so that's just a lot. Of, Would you cite that for me first? Yeah, you? sure, sure. <laughs> so I've heard people say yeah. uh, that they move <laughs> five times, <laughs> semicolon. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, and so I think 
I think the thing is, is, you know, a lot of, a lot of the dreams, a lot of the things that motivate older people, you know, wanting to, you know, uh, find a sense of belonging uh, with a group of people, wanting to find a purpose in their life, wanting to make a difference in their communities. Young adults want to do that as well. Um, if anything, what I'll say is, is that I, the biggest thing that I've come to realize is, is that I think that the, uh, uh, that the church has given up on young people uh, and the church uh, actually expects and almost encourages them to be absent. Um, which is startling and dis- startling and dis- and 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 deeply worrisome to me. Uh, and then when I point this out to people, they're like, "Doing the same stuff." All right. So full so, stop. But, yeah. Go say, ahead. Go ahead. Tom. My question is, what you know, unpack what you just said. I was, hey, I was just how, about to ask them to do. Yeah, that. I was yeah. gonna say. <laughs> We've been working this together for a while, John, but it comes back to specifically kind of unpack that how the church has given up or because the church doesn't say that. Right. No. It, well, and I'm, I'm just curious what it looks like through the eyes of, say, a college student. Yeah, well, the church doesn't say it, but the church does it. Right. I mean, that's just, you know, actions speak louder than words in this. And so kind of just to back up here for a second, um, you know. Uh, one of the things that we talk about, we look at church decline and, and the decline in membership, and we often have these conversations, you know, uh, you know, if we just change the institution, if we just reorganize things, if we just figure out our polity, you know, kind of our church, the way that we operate church, things will be better. Or if we say, we just get our doctrine right, if we just understand, you know, Jesus a little bit better, that things will work out. But um, there was a recent article, uh, insert citation here, uh, in the United Methodist Church, where it talks about the decline in American membership uh, in the Methodist Church. And the leading reason for decline is due to the death of our members, because we are an old denomination. Um, but we are one of the oldest faith communities in the United States. The average age of the United Methodist is 57 years old, where the average age of an American is 38. Mm-hmm. So, so what I'll say here is we're in a season right now of, of, of uh, senior celebrations in church. Uh, yeah, everybody's like, you know, coming in here and celebrating their graduates. Um, and what we do, like the way to be successful as an American is to raise your, raise your kids so that they leave and go off and live on their own. Right. I mean, that's what, what kind of the idea that we try to do here. Right. Um, if a child stays at home or is taking a little bit of time, we're like, oh, they're finding themselves. You know, they got it. They just need a little bit more time. Well, it's the same type of thing. So, so the church, and I'm speaking particularly here about the American church, has adopted that same approach. So we have this senior Sunday where we say we've invested these 18 years in you here. Um, we're so glad that you've kind of sort of been here, maybe because anybody can just show up. Mm-hmm. We're going to give you, you know, a, a prayer, maybe, maybe a maybe a, you know, commemorative plate, maybe a Bible or something, which is kind of funny. We're giving you a Bible at the end of everything. Um, (laughs) And then we say, you know, basically see you later. Uh, You know, you're done with youth group. There's no real activity we got here. It's like a senior send off. Um, And we encourage them to go out into the world and we don't connect them. I I, I serve here uh, for five years. I've served as, as a college ministry person. And I've had, I can literally count on my hands, 10 uh, or less, the number of people who've reached out to try to connect young adults with me here at Texas State. Uh, We just give up on our young adults. We don't view them as our opportunity to stay connected, to to send them forward, to try to find out where they're going and connect them with the community. and that's, and that's the thing. We think it's someone else's problem or we think it's, you know, the young adults are going to do it. And to be quite honest, we're really just waiting for those young adults to have kids and bring them back and start them off with the children's program again. I mean, that's, that's how it is. We don't, we, we have a blind spot of young adults between the ages of 18 until they have kids. So kind of tying in so tying into that back. story. Yeah. yeah. Coming back. Yeah. You know, for one thing, within our community, we have Texas A and uh, Texas A and M Corpus Christi, which is a fairly uh, vibrant uh, campus. And I've been out there for different reasons, um, 
you know, I, as a baseball fan, they've got a baseball team. I've been out to, to watch a game. Um, and, and, and the campus is beautiful. What I don't know is if I'm interested in, in the lives of young people, you know, that you're talking about, how do I become connected within that sphere? Yeah, I think part of that is just paying attention to the young people who are currently uh, connected to us. Um, and so we have young, we, I mean, part of that problem is I would say that the church doesn't know young people uh, and that's not young people's fault. That's kind of our responsibility to get to know people. Uh, uh, and, and I think what I would say is, you know, young people want the same things that older people will. They're just not willing to put up with the nonsense that we've just kind of grown numb to in the church. You know what I'm saying? Like, are you talking you know, about me they, or what? Or... Uh, well, you know, I mean, the thing is, is when people, they, you know, these young adults tell me that they'll try to get connected to a church and they're either greeted as a visitor for the first six months that they go and they finally give up because, you know, kind of they felt like they're held at, a, at an arm's length there. Or, you know, they're suggesting like, hey, we've got this great opportunity. We can't wait to connect you in ministry. You should work in the nursery and babysit the kids so we can do something else, mm-hmm. you know, or hey, we've got this great committee project. Why don't you do this thing that we've kind of run out of time and energy and passion to do? So why don't you do this stuff that we don't, we don't want to do anymore, but we feel bad about letting going. And so we're just going to push it on you. That's it. Uh, and do it the way we always did it. Because... But yeah, but do it the way you are. And when it's not as successful as this idea that we have in our mind, then we're just going to like complain about you. Um, Brad, does any of this uh, kind of ring true to your experience? Oh God, you have no idea. <laughs> Um, you know, and, and, and I'll, I'll be honest with you in, in many of the churches that I've served, this has been the problem that, that I've found with congregations is that when a, when a youth graduates and goes off to college or goes off to wherever, the assumption is that, well, in the college town, there's obviously going to be a church somewhere that's going to be able to take care of these youth who are now young adults, who are now college students, who are now on their own for the first time, and they'll have the programs there to keep them in the church. And every time I move to a town that has a college in it, I wonder where those churches are because none of our churches are really doing that. And so we basically have just kicked them out the door and said, you know, um, good luck, you know, and we don't even say God bless. We just say good luck and, and wonder where they are. And, you know, here we sit, I'm, I'm a church that's probably four miles from, you know, uh, A&M Corpus and, our ministry here, we just started a young adult class, you know, which is, which is probably one of the things I just lost my camera again. Y'all still there? We can, yeah, we you, can hear you. Yeah, I'm losing my camera again. Sorry. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, they, the, the young adult class is exactly what a college student wants to go sit in. I mean, another you class. think about it, right? Another class. Let's just make it another class. And, and no and credit? God. And no credit. Well, there's no final exams and there's no term papers, but still, you know. Oh, you haven't been to one of my classes, Brad. Well, <laughs> and, and, you know, the other thing that, that we really struggle with in all of this is, is this never-ending sense of, um, uh, you know, it, we, we forget what life as a college student is like. Oh, by the way, our class starts at 9 a.m. on Sunday. Okay, well, we'll move it to 10 a.m. Will that work for you? Instead of trying to reach college students where they are in the lifestyle that they're now having to deal with, we aren't we don't make room for them. We expect them to fill the gaps where we are. And and that's you know, it's backwards. Everything about it is backwards, and we wonder why they don't come. You know, right, and then we don't stay. And what we do as a church is we end up blaming the university. Oh, the university made them secular or the university took their belief from God. Well, I mean, you just sort of let them go. Right. What do you expect? Right. So if Mm -hmm. you let that connection go, if you're not fostering that connection as a church community, I mean, I mean, what can we expect will happen? Right. Well, let me let, let me let me let me give you. So uh, I'll, I'll cite. Here's a citation right here. There's yes. a, a, First there's citation. a book. There's a book uh, called Almost Christian by. Oh, Kendall yes. C. Dean. Oh, yes. And by, by Kenda Creasy Dean. Oh, okay. you'll see it. Just look on the website. It'll be there uh, with the notes for this podcast. Yeah, Brad, it'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> 
We have a website. Um, improper Chicago <laughs> citation. I'm gonna check. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do a check on that. Okay. Um, uh, but you know, she talks about how the church has has created this cult of niceness, right? That we've <laughs> yeah. created this. Uh, uh, you know, what we do is we teach. We come in here and we teach our young people basically to be nice, uh, and that is what it means to be a Christian. Uh, and so there's not. So we're super successful. Yeah, absolutely. We're super successful at what we do. Mm-hmm. The church makes these young people feel unconditionally loved. It makes them feel like that they're accepted. It makes them feel like that they're good people. It makes them feel like that they will always have a place if they want to at the church. Mm-hmm. And so when they leave, they've got, we fill them up with their tanks, at least as far as their identity is concerned. Um, and so they're able to go off in the world and feel like that they're doing okay. Um, and, I, and I will say that's a great thing because there's other people who, who grew up in an unchurched situation, which don't have that. And they're trying to, they deal with a lot of anxiety and stress. Um, but the point there is, is that, you know, what she says is we get what we get out of this. Like we don't give them a sense of purpose. We don't give them a sense that there's a distinct community of what it means to be, to be a Christian. Like we talk about like spiritual gifts um, that's a, that's kind of a Methodist thing to talk about, but do we ever actually work with our young adults who are deciding what they're going to study in college or their careers and say, let's sit down with you for, you know, two or three weeks and, and think about what your gifts are. I mean, that's not part of our confirmation process, is it? We're, we're busy explaining people what sanctification are. And that's super important, right? But, but, but where's that practical aspect of like where people are at to say like, I think that this is how the Holy Spirit may be working with you. How do you think you're going to respond to God in your life? Yeah. So in your particular uh, context, context, Todd, um, you talked about apostleship. Uh, tell us what you mean about, uh, about seeing that in young adult ministry or what your sense is after, you know, uh, you know your program and, and how you fit that into what you do there at Texas State? Yeah. So, um, so most people think that they, you know, it started off when I started being a a college pastor, um, AKA youth pastor. That's what I always got referred to for, for a while there. Um, (laughs) Right. The remix. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) He's back. You know, a lot of people are like, well, good. You know, how many people are you get? How many pastors are you making? Right. Like that's a a common Mm -hmm. metric in the college ministry. Uh, and, and I gave that up pretty quick, um, because I was trying to take people through the discernment process, take them through the structures. And, and, um, I don't know, I, I, I have to cite this, but I've heard it said that sometimes our discernment process in the United Methodist church is a little challenging and broken. Um, I, I read that somewhere, uh, but I mean, look at uh, some of the people it produces, right? I mean, but it really actually, I mean, to be honest, you know, our, our discernment process, um, it produces stubborn people who are willing to push through things and who are willing to jump through the hoops uh, to make things happen. Um, And it's not, it's not, it's not seriously, it's not really nurturing someone in the vocational discernment and in their spiritual growth of how God is calling in their lives. It's like, dude, did you get your paperwork done on time? Because that's your responsibility. Um, And there's absolutely an important aspect of it, but I think that there's an imbalance of that. And so you know, I showed up here at the college ministry because I'm here at Texas State and uh, there just wasn't anyone at home. I mean, there was like maybe one student involved in the ministry. And so I set this goal that we were going to be engaged with 1% of the student population. Um, and so that's 400 students. We're going to grow our ministry to be engaged with 400 students, which would kind of make us one of the largest you know, congregations in the Hill Country District. Mm-hmm. Um, but also 1%, you know, they say, I think somewhere it's something like 4% of people in, in, in uh, grow up as Methodists. So, you know, we're even just trying to get 25% of people who identify kind of as Methodists, but, you know, we don't just stop there. And so really my goal is to, is to, to really know that trying to help young adults, equip them for being what the next version of the church is, because this version of the church that we're doing is just going to fade at some point. So I'm, my goal real quick is, and just to use some institutional language here, is to create the next lay leaders, is to create, is to create the next Sunday school leaders, is to create the next uh, people who are leading commi- uh, committees. And I don't know what that is in their lives, right? Like, that's the thing. 
And so I, I, I've created a, a cohort process, uh, a semester long process where we spend basically six conversations with a group of about 12 young adults. And we wonder how God is at work in their lives. We, you know, do the Enneagrams. We do a spiritual gifts assessment. You know, we work and we try to say, like, what are your gifts and graces? Where do you feel like you're being called? And it's really just a curiosity uh, in their lives and, and giving them a group of people to discuss that with. And so when people talk about changing their major um, because they feel like they're being called in a different direction, that's great. I, I think I'd rather I think I'd rather have a teacher who is, you know, in the public schools who is firmly grounded in the love of Jesus Christ, you know, rather than, you know, someone doing something inside the church that never talks with people. Mm. So. And, and, and the thing is, is we only get, we only get these college students for a short time, right? Like we know we're going to send them. Right. And so that's kind of where this whole idea of apostleship came. It's like, do you know, our goal here is to send them out into the world. So we're sending people back into, you know, they come from the Valley, they come from Corpus, they come from San Antonio, they come from wherever we're sending them back somewhere. Um, And they're going to need to have the skills and, 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 and the faith and the, the formation so that they can continue that uh, and work with others to build the church. So then if the church has sort of given up uh, on, on young adults, and if we hear that, and as much as it may jolt us, like, whoa, what, what do you mean? I love my kids or our kids. Sure. But then we, then we sort of realize, well, maybe we have dropped the ball, right? So then if, if you know, kids are away at college or if I'm in a college town, but I have no kind of sense of how I engage with college-aged um, people, how does the church begin to reconnect to that group? Yeah, well, I think that that's where we're a connectional church. I, I think I heard you guys, uh, Brad, I heard you joking about, you know, the, the extension ministry table, those people that sit in the back of annual conference. That's where, that's not, the retired and then us college ministers sit back there. So, you know, kind of, we sit, we sit in the exile. I mean, I like it. It's cool. I'm happy to be there because we don't have assigned seating. Nobody knows if we're there or not. Um, But you can uh, seriously talk, you know, all kinds of stuff back there and nobody hears. (laughs) Right, right, right. But you know, I mean, the thing is, is you guys don't have to do this alone. Right. And we can't do it. Like we can't do our college ministry. People cannot do this without the local church saying like, Hey, I want to connect you. And so I've kind of said in some conversation with my colleagues when they, who are talking about, you know, what gifts should they get their seniors for senior send-off, for senior send-off. I was like, you should set a Google reminder on September 15th to follow up with those graduates to right. see where they are and they're connected. You know, and I got like maybe one like, and then the conversation moved on to like dish towels or something like that. Um, and so I think the thing is, is, you know, if you, if you are in a local church and you're interested in getting connected with young adults, Find someone who is doing it in another community and say, hey, what are you doing? What can I borrow from you? How, what, how, what could work well? Like, we're, we're, I'm, I'm happy to share ideas. And likewise, you know, if you want to get connected with young adults, I think the best thing to do is to try to develop one-on-one relationships. I mean, it sounds super, super simple, but just like invite them to lunch, you know? Uh, take them out for pizza, take them for tacos or something like that. That's the best way to, the best way to get it started. I think there's another disconnect here that is not related to the college ministry as much as it is to the local church. And it's not just that when we send our youth to college, but when they come home, you said this just a minute ago, you said, you know, we're sending them back. I, I also noticed that there's a time and place where or at least in, in the churches that I've served where congregations typically go, Oh, I'm so glad you're back home, but they, there's a failure to recognize that that time away has given that person that, that young, young adult, you know, a fourth or a fifth of their life is now they have matured massively during that time, but the church fails to see that maturity because we still think of that child as the one who used to be an acolyte. And there's no way in the world we could ever anticipate that that person actually has a worldview now that could, in fact, impact the life of the church in a positive way for the building of the kingdom. 
that's a disconnect that the local church has. And that's assuming that the youth comes back to the local church after graduation. And, and at, the I think, eight, at to the 830 traditional service or, or wherever, you know, I mean, at, at all, you know, do they come right. back to the local church at all? Or do they go to a church that they've already if they have and I'm not even saying church uh, that they're going to an organization that that's that addresses their needs, their their spiritual needs um, in, in a more profound way that they have discovered on campus or off campus. But during that college year uh, or the college years they may not come back to their local church because the local church is still stuck back in the 1950s. You know, I mean, why, why would they, the church gave up on them. The church exactly. said, you don't need us. The church said, you don't need us anymore. Go, go out into the world by, by your own. So what can we do as a local church to get out of that, to break that cycle? You know what I'm saying? And, and how can we begin to work with campus ministries intentionally to say, look, when they're coming out, Help us to learn what they have, because I, you know, college for me was a wild time. I went to four different universities uh, in in five years. I completed a four year degree in five years. I crammed it in, but I got it done. Uh, but I went to four <laughs> different universities all over the country because I was living at home at the time and I was commuting and home moved a lot. So, I mean, I get it when you're talking about kids have moved a lot. Yeah. That I would have loved to have had that lifestyle. Because, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm 58 and I've moved 38 times in my life. So mm-hmm. I got into ministry to quit moving so much, you know, and, and that's the, but. but Wrong church, pal. I'm, well, you know, no, actually it, it has worked. I, I've actually slowed down a lot of my moving here. But, uh, but the reality is, you know, when the church itself fails to make that connection, that these youth who were acolytes and, and cute little kids running around and running up and down on the, you know, wherever. Now they're coming out as college-aged, college-educated adults who have not just an opinion, but a new worldview that is not the same. We need to begin to start having that conversation in the local church. And I don't know where you begin to start. And I'm hoping that maybe partnering with, with campus ministries to give us some insight as to what youth have gone through. Most of my church is college-educated, but we don't remember it. You know, we don't. Yeah, really- well, I'll tell you. I mean, I mean, some of these, some of these young adults around here, like they are engineering students. And you know, yeah. I made this joke. I'm like, you know, they got calculus. I'm like, who's practicing witchcraft at the UCM? Because I don't understand it. You know, I mean, it's crazy. Um, right. I mean, they are really, really smart. You know, yes, we got are. people that are studying construction sciences. We got people that are studying nursing. We got people that are doing all of these types of things. You know, people that have been leading Bible studies with their fellow young adults for like three years. Mm-hmm. And then they come back, they come back to the church. And just like you said, they're treated like that they have the functional equivalent of an acolyte. Right. Um, you know, and, and I don't and, want to and disparage look, acolytes by any means, but you, but you get my point, right? I mean, I, I, well, like, yeah, yeah. And like, and that they're still learning that they still have no idea. And right. in the meantime, you know, in this alternate, you know, at college, they've been doing this stuff. So one of the things that I constantly struggled with when I was at the local church trying to work with young adults was the church doesn't trust young people. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't trust young people. And so one of the one, like the first move I made when I got here was um, I hired the person who was here because I was like, I can't, I have one student in this ministry. I can't lose this mm-hmm. ministry. So I'm going to, I'm going to pay the student to stay here. Also, what I realized was, is that I didn't, I was unequipped for for understanding what young adults were going through. Like, I mean, I didn't know Snapchat. I don't know all that stuff. Right. Um, And people ain't going to tell me, right. Cause I'm the pastor. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just started investing in the young adults that were there so that they could make those connections. And so, for example, one of the things that I do is I tell our small groups, I'm like, I'm going to give you $50 uh, a, a week to buy snacks or to do whatever. Mm-hmm. And they go off and they buy tacos or they go get coffee. Uh, and I just trust them to figure that out. And so at the end of like a 13 week semester, whatever, I paid $750 or something like that. I don't know. But that $750 investment has got 12 to 14 young adults that are connected, that are recurring, mm-hmm. that are having these faithful conversations, you know. If I tried to go off to a local church and say, would you spend $750 on a young adult? They'd well, let's take it to finance committee and then let's take it to missions committee. And, you know, we should have these young adults. You know what? These young adults, they should really earn their way. So why don't they oh. you know, have a, 
why don't they have a why don't they have a what, what we'll do is we'll do a lunch we'll do a spaghetti lunch we'll charge 350 after church and and we'll raise the money for this and stuff like that and then we wonder why they're not around you know and mcdonald's is cost- hiring right now you know they right. could get a job I know. and it i mean it would have cost the church you know it would have cost the church nothing to just give to this and then we're like Young people don't care about the church anymore. <laughs> you know? Uh, see, this is why I love Todd. Uh, Todd and I, uh, not only uh, do we agree on a lot of things, but we just, this is the way it is, y'all. You just need to hear it this way, right? Why are we playing around uh, yeah. with this? One of the things um, also I want to include in this conversation, I think is important, um, is we talk a lot, obviously, about college ministry, but also young adult ministry, right? Because a lot of our right. kids aren't going to college. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, Todd, you said a while ago, you know, uh, very truthfully, I think the church kind of waits for, you know, the college kid to go have, go get married and then have kids. Oh, and then they'll come back. Right. Cause we and know how to long- do children's ministry. We know how to do that. Well, or we think we know how to do we it. Think well. We think we got the structures. The, the problem. Well, a problem with that is, you know, before and another generation or two ago, the time between, uh, when they went off on senior Sunday, got married and had a kid was right here. Well, now more and more, you're talking about 10 years or more. Yeah, exactly. You're years, talking about, yeah. you're talking about young adults getting into their thirties before they get married. Whereas before they were getting married in their twenties, they're not having kids till later. If we're going to be content to wait for them to have kids to maybe, maybe think about coming back. No wonder wait, we are where we are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing, you know, so, so for example, when the church isn't in their lives, you know, so one of the, tra- one of the trends that we have with young adults is that, that they're hyper-connected, right? That they've got all of these social medias and networks, they've grown up as digital natives and all that type of stuff, right? So they've got a high degree of connectivity and yet they're extremely lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't, they've, uh, and that's only been added by the two years of the pandemic. And so some of the, just the, and then it's also the divisiveness of our culture. You know, they're not sure if they show up, particularly at the church, you know, are they going to be, are they going to be loved or condemned? Um, it's super scary uh, for, for, for young adults to even take that. So the, so the, so if you ever have a young adult, and I'm talking anyone under the age of 35 at this point that shows up into your church, that is probably one of the bravest people that you have ever seen walk into your church. Mm-hmm. And I think that particularly as pastors, we have a responsibility to stop whatever we're doing um, mm-hmm. and really try to make a, 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 a an invitation and appreciation that they're there. It's not someone else's job. That's our job, right? Like to, 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 to reach out to them. Um, but yeah, John, you're absolutely right. You know, people will find their own support networks. If we're not there, people, you know, they get in social organizations, they join the Greek system, they join their professional organizations. Those just transfer into like LinkedIn and, and the soccer field and stuff like that. And look, the sports that has been so successful because it is filling a community gap that the church has given up on, right? I go, I go to the sports fields. Um, my daughter started playing volleyball. My two oldest are not into sports. And so I was always like, I, I bought into the church narrative that, that the sports are just distracting. And then I went there and I was like, this is more diverse than our churches. People are excited <laughs> and they're rooting on people. Like we care about our children in ways that, are, that, are, that, are, that the local church doesn't. You know, we're here to make this investment. We're here with this dedication. And I was like, I get why I get why people do this. Hmm. People do this. Well, I feel it, bad now. Go ahead, Tom. I, well, I, I've got background noise, so I keep muting. But I, I remember having this conversation with somebody. They were going, you know, we go by the by the soccer fields on Sunday morning, and and those you know those parents and their kids should be in church, and and uh, and my reply was. That's where the church needs to be. We, it's not, they need to come to us. We need to go to them. And, and what you're saying there, Todd, is, uh, is I mean, I, I, in my mind, there's always this, this uh, instead of uh, let them come, is let us go and, and be within the community uh, around us and, and know what's happening. So, so that you know, I'm going to cut out though, and, and mute and listen more because just there's been a lot of noise. They're digging up my backyard now. So, 
Well, so is, just, our, so just, is our podcast, just, a bunch of noise. Go ahead, Todd. Yeah, so just, just to pick up on that, you know, making disciples is, is our mantra. Um, and I just think, you know, you know, at the end of, 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 of the Gospel of John, the, the fisher of men have become fishers of fish again, and they're sitting in their boat not catching anything. And we are just trying to get people in the boat, anyone in our net, anywhere, and just getting them in the boat that ain't doing anything. And, you know, I guess they're naked in the middle of the night, unproductive in this boat, just floating around there. Right. And that's really not where the story ends. The story in the story starts. Uh, the next chapter is this apostleship. Right. It's where the Holy Spirit sends people out. And I think that that's actually the unique gift of Methodism is, you know, that we are a missional based. We want to cooperate with God's mission of salvation in the world. Um, and so, yeah, when we are like, why aren't they coming to church and going to Sunday school? Like that, that's a discipleship based approach, which is absolutely important. We, we want to form people in their faith. We want to get them and nurture them in a relationship with God. Right. But also Jesus said, love your neighbor. Right. Those are two different they're the same commandment, right? But they're two different parts of that. And so when we just retreat on Sunday morning and complain about how the world doesn't care about the church anymore, I think we just need to flip that script. And that for me is what apostleship does. Amen. Uh, well, Todd, we're going to have to have you back, man, because uh, this is, this is good stuff. Uh, something that's near and dear to me. Um, and I'm sure to the other guys as well. Um, as someone who has for almost 20 years now, probably more than 20 years, taught youth Sunday school and been a part of uh, college ministry with young adults as best I can. Uh, I feel bad now because I criticized Tasty Tape. This was an idea of young people, and I should have been more supportive. But I will be supportive <laughs> enough to tell them, I like that you guys are thinking, I just don't like the idea. Don't make me eat Tasty Tape. See, so for example, this is what we served the Flaming hot Mountain Dew, right? You gotta, you gotta go where the, you gotta go where the people are. So right? flaming hot Mountain Dew is incarnation. Do we have to pay royalties on that? I don't know. I'm just curious. Terrible idea, but uh, we make mistakes together, right? We're yeah. we're sinners and saints. Hold on to that for Pentecost. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Well, Todd, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Uh, truly, man. I hope you'll come back uh, a lot. Help us talk about some of this. I always appreciate. Uh, having a chance to have these are the kind of conversations we need to be having as the church that's what we seek to do so uh brad tom thank you of course for the gift of your time and if you're listening or watching on facebook or anchor or on our website we got a website youtube Jeez. <laughs> however you're listening i'm glad you're listening uh thank you for the gift of your time time Let, let's hear what you have to say has the church given up on young adults what's been your experience and what can we learn from here and the next time todd comes back we'll finish that up so until then have a great rest of the day if you want to go try tasty tape i mean who am i to say no just do what you want god loves you god be with you